When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on Carol. She's more focused on hitting a high note than the car in front of her. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors, which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates North Park, Illinois. On the Gopher Sports Network, from Learfield, this is the Golden Gopher Podcast. Brought to you by Schuler Shoes, where happy feet is happy life. Welcome to the Golden Gopher Podcast. I'm Justin Gard from KFA and Radio and the Gopher Radio Network. We talk to college football Hall of Famer Bob Stein, former Gopher football player, in just a minute, I want to first thank you for listening to the Golden Gopher Podcast. We're here every week trying to give you some exclusive and unique Gopher content. Please subscribe if you haven't. Please leave a rating if you haven't. Tell a Gopher fan friend in your life about us. We'd certainly love to have you with us. And we want to thank Schuler Shoes for their great partnership on the podcast. We're done squeezing everything out of summer, but we can squeeze now everything into fall, but not squeeze into shoes, whether back to school or back to the office. Pain-free is back in style at Schuler Shoes. Find your location. Check out their selection at SchulerShoes.com. I mentioned Bob Stein is our guest on the podcast this week. He's going into the College Football Hall of Fame. He actually got invited back in 2020, but because of COVID, they didn't have the ceremony. Now the class of 2020s with the class of 2021. He's officially going to go in a little bit later this winter in a cool ceremony in Las Vegas, and then they'll have something in the spring down in Atlanta where the College Football Hall of Fame is. But he played for the Gophers back in the 60s, was part of the final Big Ten championship team, 1967, the last Gopher football team 
to win a Big Ten championship was 1967. We talk about that. We talk about how he grew up watching those teams of the early 1960s that won the Big Ten, won the national championship, went to -to back-to-back Rose Bowls. We talk about all that, and we talk about growing up in St. Louis Park. As you'll hear at the end of the conversation, there's a million things we could talk to Bob Stein about. He was the first president of the Timberwolves, played in the Super Bowl for the Kansas City Chiefs, um, has done a million things in his life. Um, but we stuck mostly to his career as a Golden Gopher and really his upbringing here in Minnesota. Talked a lot about Coach Murray Warmath, which I think you're going to find interesting. Uh, full disclosure, I've known Bob Stein forever um, as I've uh, known one of his daughters for a really long time. She's one of my really good friends. So there might be an inside joke or two in here that you might have to get through. But um, one of the most interesting people to talk to, he's led such an interesting life. Now College Football Hall of Famer, on top of everything else, Bob Stein on the Golden Gopher podcast. There's a lot I want to discuss in a somewhat short amount of time, Bob, and I first want to start by going back to, I just watched the video again a couple of minutes before I called you of when you got the news that you were going into the College Football Hall of Fame. (laughs) And it had been a while since I had seen it because it's been a while since you were elected to it because of COVID and everything. We're kind of melding different classes together, but Take me back to that moment, uh, what you thought you were getting yourself into, and then when they told you that you were, in fact, going into the College Football Hall of Fame yourself. Well, uh, I'll tell you, Gardy, they called me and said that they were expanding the website, and they wanted to do put some interviews on. And since I had been one of the 11 student a football player athlete selected when I was in college and because I was involved in the uh, Minnesota chapter of the National Football Foundation, they asked if I would be willing to do an interview for them. I said, sure, you know, it's, it's a really good charity and it, it, you know, it promotes good kids in high school and college and the whole works and the, whole, and the, and the culture of football and the, the positives that come out of it. So, they send up a, a, a film crew and the uh, actually the CEO uh, of, of the National Football Foundation came up and uh, so he's asking me questions on, on you know during on film and, and next thing I know there's a knock on the door in this conference room and I'm thinking what is this and it's a FedEx delivery guy with a package for me <laughs> and I'm thinking this is getting a little weird. <laughs> but okay, and he hands me the box, and uh, and I I figure oh you know they're giving me some little trinket for doing the interview that's thoughtful and you know okay so I, so I open it and I see it's a football and I just forgot what I thought was what am I going to do with another football right uh, but I open it and take it out and I see painted on the football it says Bob Stein twenty twenty class of the College Football Hall of Fame. And I about dropped. <laughs> but just before that, they had asked me, what do I think about the people in the Hall of Fame? Yep. And I and I really thought, boy, that's a crappy thing to ask me. Uh, <laughs> you know, just because I had been a finalist for years, uh, and, and I felt, I thought my eligibility was up because the general rule is you're eligible from, I think, 10 years after you finish playing, to 50 years after you finish playing, and then then you're out, which is fair. But because my I wasn't nominated till you know years after I played, uh, apparently they have the 
leeway to carry it over if you want, and that's what they did with me. And I was just, I was as stunned as I've ever been in my life. Well, yeah, you say uh, you said one word we can't say on this family podcast, but people can guess, <laughs> and it's actually better if people guess. And it, it's a great video, and you know, people, I'm sure it'll make the rounds now that um, you know you're being honored at the game on Saturday and everything. But so in that moment, you're stunned. And obviously, like you mentioned, you've, you've had a great career. You've got footballs all over the place. You've had a lot of honors. You've had a lot of awards. But w- have you had time to kind of think and process and, and look back? And what do you think about when you kind of do settle it all down and think about your college football career? Well, well, I, I you know, I, I think it was something that was very fortunate, you know, to be to be able to play college football period. You know, you're, you're in a small group of a lot of people trying in high school. And then, you know, to play in the kind of team we had in, you know, my junior year was the last big 10 right. championship for Minnesota. And there, there were 15 guys on that team that, that were either drafted or went to training camp or played in the NFL. And, you know, guys like Charlie Sanders who's in the NFL hall of fame and John Williams was the number one draft choice. And, you know, Jim Carter and, you know, all kinds of great players. Uh, uh, it, it, was, it was a very kind of, you know, everybody says everything's humbling, but this really was, uh, especially when I learned that out of the 5 million some college football players who have played in total over the years, they're including – the class I'm in and the 2021 class, there's 1,038 players in the Hall of Fame. Yep. And that that is 0.02 of 1%. And, you know, so it's crazy. I, you know, and I, and I think of, uh, I thought, man, me going in, Bernie Beerman and, and, and Pug Lund and, and Bronco Nagurski are probably spinning in their grave. <laughs> but, but I'm very flattered. And I want to talk about your uh, college career and, and, of course, that 67 team. But I want to start a little earlier with you. Tell me about 2656 Inglewood Avenue. Well, that's where my mother lived for 47 years. Uh, we moved from Minneapolis to St. Louis Park when I was about six years old. And on the field, uh, empty field on France Avenue is when I was 10 years old where I first started playing football. Uh, and so, you know, you, you are often, whether you like it or not, you're a product of your upbringing and your philosophy you get at the dinner table. And, uh, I got a lot of it there from my dad and my whole family, but he, you know, he helped coach me, uh, from the time I was little and he was always a, uh, kind of a, a tough disciplinarian but I, but he always made me know that he was supportive too but uh, i remember the time when he coached me in little league one day i hit two home runs so this is 12 years old mm-hmm. and i came home all full of myself and <laughs> and I, I was kind of bragging at the table to my brother and sister and my mom and he looks over and says yeah and you played center field like you had your thumb in your butt. You didn't back up either the right or left fielders. And, and so I just wilted. But, you know, that that was sort of the 50s style of coaching. Hey, you can always do better. And don't ever, you know, don't get full of yourself and don't be complacent. And that was the mindset that I took 
with me into college football and and beyond that. It was one game I remember when we played Michigan uh, at home and won the game, but I had I was really angry at myself because I had been cut a number of times, you know, blocked mm-hmm. across my knees, uh, rushing the passer where I had an ankle that was a, a little sore, I thought, you know, it was taped up real tight uh, that that limited my uh, mobility some. And years later, I had a doctor x-ray me and asked me when I broke my ankle. Uh, so, you know, like a lot of guys at the time, I playing on a broken ankle without without knowing it. But, you know, I think that mentality is part of the game, and, and it's part of what you take from the game, too. You know, there's there's hurt and there's injured. Right. Everybody Everybody's always hurt. You know, something always hurts when you're playing. Injured generally is a bone sticking out and, and blood all over, so you can't play. And, you know, the psychology of football is different now and coaches are held to a different standard and, and medical staff is and, and it's a good idea it, it, it's a good thing to protect players uh but it, it is definitely a change from you know the 50s 60s 70s well and the other thing that's changed and i don't have to tell you this is at st louis park high school it wasn't like you just played football you mentioned that you also played baseball you played basketball you did some track uh you're a state champ in the discus in your first year of, of track like so that's that was part of it too like you just played whatever was in season i imagine right you know and you know justin that's something i really feel bad for all competitors today because kids are having to specialize when they're you know 8 10 12 years old uh, in order to keep up with the competition, and they're doing sports year-round, particular sports, and I, I just think it takes away a lot of the a lot of the fun and the youthfulness of it. It, it I, I I would be pretty confident that it contributes to overuse injuries at yep. times. You know, rather than doing different things all all year round, and uh, it. it you know, it makes it hard to find really what your niche is and what you enjoy the most because that changes as you grow up. What do you remember about your recruitment to the University of Minnesota, how you decided to go to the U? Well, it was pretty straightforward. I, 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 thought I wanted to be a doctor at that time, and I felt, you know, the best schools for me were either the Big Ten or the Ivy League, and I, I was recruited and, you know, accepted a bunch of Ivy League schools, Harvard and Yale and and uh, Dartmouth, and I remember we were there. But but I felt that if I played in the Big Ten, I would find out if I could play at the highest level in college. Mm-hmm. At that time, that really was the highest level. And in the Big Ten, I was most interested in, in Minnesota and Northwestern, figuring that, you know, they're both real good academic and they're good athletic, and uh, ultimately decided on Minnesota largely because uh, that way my dad could see me play all all the time very easily. And unfortunately, my freshman year, he had a massive heart attack, so he never saw me play. Right. But uh, that, you know, I I was consequently happy to be here for my mom and my younger brother and sister. Well, I remember that because um, back then freshmen couldn't play 
varsity football, right? right. You had to play a year right. as a freshman. And I kind of transitioned into the role that Murray played in your life. I I seem to remember reading somewhere along the lines a story about maybe your first game after even your dad had died and and some things that Murray had said to you and just how you kind of felt about the whole thing. Am I on the right path there? Uh, Yeah. You know, what happened was there was was a uh, program we had in the winter, you know, conditioning class uh, that all the football players did, and it was kind of – practice without the pads mm-hmm. and after one of the first of all after my dad died Murray came to the funeral with all the assistant coaches which stunned, which really kind of stunned me because right. at the time you know I was a freshman and I hadn't done anything and you know I, I found that pretty surprising frankly and then after a conditioning class one day Bob Bossons the defensive coordinator who was the second scariest coach after Murray, uh, came, came over and, and kind of put his arm around my shoulder, and he said, you know, we don't just expect you to make it. We think you're going to make it big. And, and I thought, what a cruel thing to say. You know, he, I thought he was BSing me, you know, because he felt bad because I lost my father like that. But uh, it, it was still a very nice thing that wouldn't have happened had it not been directed by Coach Warmath. And I also I also had a great experience because I was coached by one of the best assistant coaches I've ever seen, Butch Nash. Right. And, you know, he's put out multiple All-American defensive ends, and he was just a great guy who played football and basketball in Minnesota himself. So if anyone ever bled school colors, it was Butch. And he was one of these guys that he, he would stay on you and let you know every mistake and everything you did well, but you wouldn't fear that. You'd mostly want to play hard and not make mistakes because you didn't want to disappoint him. Yeah, and those, are, that kind of those are the best coaches, right? Loved them. Those are the best coaches and the best teachers, right? Absolutely. You know, there's a famous story about him giving a pregame pep talk in 19, I believe it was 77, when the go, I think Cal Stoll was a coach, and they upset Michigan, that was number one in the country at the time. And anybody on that team will tell you a big part of it was him just really being inspirational in his pregame talk. It would make sense to me. Uh, you mentioned Coach Warmath, and I know you've talked a lot about him over the years, and it's such a legendary and revered name. And like you say, this. <laughs> The, the scariest coach anybody would want to play for. Uh, give me a few Murray stories or give us a few Murray stories for all of us because everybody knows that name. If you follow Gopher Sports at all or Gopher Football, you hear that name, but not all, yeah. we didn't get to play for him. We didn't get to be around him uh, like you did. Um, what should we know about Coach Warmath? Well, he, he was a very unique guy. He, uh, you know, he was a hard-boiled personality who left, who left, and he was on his own from the time he was 15 years old. He, you know, he told me that later in life. And uh, he got he played football at Tennessee uh, under great coaches, and uh, and, and then he he uh, was an assistant coach under Red Blake at Army. Yep. Where his best friend was the other assistant coach who was not a military guy. There were two of them who were civilians, and that was Vince Lombardi. Hmm. 
and uh, they were fast friends and had great mutual respect to the point that when Lombardi had his greatest years, his championship years at Green Bay, he would have Murray and Bob Bossons, the the defense coordinator, come over and spend a week tutoring his defensive staff on their philosophy. So he he was really highly regarded. He, uh, you know, he was a guy. If you went in to have a conversation with Murray, it it didn't matter if you had laryngitis or not because you weren't going to say anything. <laughs> you <know? laughs> and yeah, you know, he he was just a very dominant figure, but he had this other side that he didn't show. Right. For for example. A story that Ray Hawes told told me. You know, he was a sophomore when I was a senior, black player from Memphis, and when he came up to Minnesota in his first year, he he was just it just kind of overwhelmed him that people were so accommodating and kind to him, and the race issue wasn't a big deal to the point that there was one day in the summer when he went to McDonald's which you couldn't go to in Memphis. Right. And and he and another player, another black player, were stood outside and wondering, should, do we dare go in and try to order a hamburger? He finally did, and they just said, well, what can we get you? You know, as you'd expect. But it was so, so shocking to him, he went in to see Murray and said he had, he had to go back home. And... Uh, Racing Murray came around the desk, put a, put his hand on his neck and squeezed it, and said, "Told him, don't you ever let anybody make you think you're less than they are because of your skin." Wow! And and he he sat him down and said, "You're not going to any place." And you know that was the way he was. He he was the more than any other Big Ten coach instrumental in recruiting. Players, black players from the South, yep. and you know Murray had one big prejudice. He was very prejudiced against guys who couldn't play. <laughs> <laughs> Other than that, he took everybody one at a time, and that's why they had Sandy Stevens and Bill Muncy and Bobby Bell and Carl Eller and and Judge Dixon on those nineteen sixty teams that that went to the Rose Bowl twice and were national championships. Uh, because you know he's just one of the best players, yep. and 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 it was a big lesson. He he told me a story of a one of the vice presidents from the university coming in his office one time at that time and asking him, kind of you know circumventing the issue a little bit, trying to be uh, uh, tricky about it. You know, how many of those uh, colored players do you have on the team? Wow. And Murray and Murray knew what he was saying. He was saying he had too many. Yep. And um, Murray looked him right in the eye and said, "Well, I don't know exactly, but based on the kind of guys we have, I want to get all I can." And basically told him to shove it and get out of his office. Right. So then, you know that was the side of Murray that his character was just impeccable, and he. He transmitted that to everybody who played for him, and also, you know, his toughness. I mean, you 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 had to be kind of tough mentally to play for Murray. Period, and uh, he just 
he didn't present a soft side when it came to coaching the team and, and running the games. We had one guy, I'll, I'll leave his name off, but he was our starting tailback my senior year who ran for, you know, like 300 yards in the first three games, and then he fumbled and lost the fumble one time and never touched the ball the rest of the season. That was it. That was it. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on the driver who treats the highway like a racetrack and the shoulder like a passing lane. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors, which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates Northbrook, Illinois. Yep, no fumbling. <laughs> Tell me about Murray's yardstick. Well, he, when we watched films the days after games, he would sit next to the projector and one of the assistant coaches was running at the game films, and Murray would sit there with a wooden yardstick, and after a play that he didn't like, he'd slam the yardstick down on the table and yell back and have him rerun the play <laughs> and practically like he expected you to do it right the second time, yep. even though you were watching film of the game. <laughs> and, you, you know, you just want to shrink into the under your chair, but, uh, you know, there was... It was hard-nosed football, and it sh- you know it showed on the field too. You mentioned 1967. It's the last Big Ten championship for the Gophers. One that I know is kind. Of, it's a weird sense of pride for all you guys because you are happy that you did it, but you'd also like to think that there would be more that have come along. And that that story has been well documented. We've talked a lot about that. But I'm curious. You know, yeah. you're eight and two. You have a three-way tie. It kind of ends in heartbreak on the last game of the season. But what before we talk about that whole part of it, what what stands out about that season in general, 1967? Uh, you know, like a lot of the things with the benefit of, of decades later, it, it, the guys, yeah. you know, the personalities. Forget the, forget the football ability, although that was a big part of it, of course. But there were just so many great guys. There were, there were, I think, 32 of us from that team went to Canton, Ohio, uh, when Charlie Sanders was inducted into the NFL Hall of Fame. And, you know, we didn't do it to be able to take the trip. We do it, did it to support Charlie and enjoy his recognition and to see everybody else. Uh, you know, and John Williams, I mean, what a great guy. He went to dental school after he played. He was... He played in Super Bowls for the Rams and the Colts and was the number one draft choice after playing offensive line for one year in college. Hmm. Can you imagine that? Mm-mm. I mean, it takes so much technique and so much skill, but uh, he got moved. First, he came in and was a running back. Then they moved him to defensive end. Then they moved him to to uh, offensive tackle. <laughs> and after in one year, he was first team All Big Ten and a number one draft choice of the Colts. Worked out pretty well for him, I'd say. Yes, it did. Uh, it surely did. And uh, anyway, you know, Mac Boston, who came, later came back and was the athletic director or vice president for athletics, whichever it was, and you know, he he was an All All Big Ten tackle. Ron Kamzelski played next to me. He was 
uh, All Big Ten and, and academic All Big Ten, and he was drafted by Cleveland, but uh, decided you know he wanted to be a dentist, not a football player. Mm-hmm. He went to dental school. So, so he, we had, we had a lot of great guys. Tom Sakel was our yep. captain and MVP that year, and uh, he, he jokes that he was drafted twice. He was so outstanding. <laughs> once by the Vikings and once by the United States Army. That's right. That's right. Because those were the times. Yeah, I mean, and those were the times that that you all were living in. Uh, you mentioned, or I mentioned, Indiana went to the Rose Bowl that year in 1967, and I know that was, you know, as a guy who kind of grew up watching, you know, the Bobby Bells and Sandy Stevens, Carl Ellers, as you mentioned, go to the Rose Bowl, win a national championship. I know that's what your team obviously wanted to do as well, and you came close. Uh, before we talk about the heartbreak. Tell me about the Indiana game. Because Indiana ended up winning the Big Ten because of a three-way tie, but they came to Minneapolis to play you all at Memorial Stadium, and they actually – is this really true that they had taped 9-0 and on the backs of their sweatshirts as they were 8-0 and on the year coming in, and they had that taped on the back? Is that true, or is that you know one of those legends that has grown over the years? Well, I have to honestly say, if it's true, I don't remember it. Okay. So it's possible. I know they played nine games that year. Everyone else played eight. But uh, but uh, I don't I don't remember that. I do remember they came in undefeated. Yes, and we ended up beating them thirty three to seven. Yep, in in a, a real butt whipping that you know that was the high point of our our season without question. Uh, and you know it was a big deal. It was a really big deal, and we we're all primed to go to the Rose Bowl if. Purdue uh, beat Indiana when they played the, their last game at Purdue. Yep. But 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 the Purdue within the last two minutes of the game, the Purdue fullback fumbled going into the end zone on the two yard line and saved the win for Indiana. So because of the crazy you know the Big Ten rule that whoever had not gone most recently got to go. If there's a tie, they went, and Purdue and, and Minnesota went to no games because they had the, you know, an exclusive deal with the Rose Bowl. Right. So the Big Ten schools either went to the Rose Bowl or stayed home. Yeah, and now in nowadays, you know, you'd be in Orlando for the Citrus Bowl. You might be uh, for the Sugar Bowl, Orange Bowl, but there was no place to go. And and you mentioned the fullback for Purdue, Perry Williams, is his name to remind people. Yep. I know you know that because I know none of you guys have ever forgotten that. Nineteen. Um, <laughs> I, I didn't want to pile on yeah. Perry. <laughs> well, I loved what your teammate uh, Jim Carter said. He played with him uh, on the Packers. He said, I never forgave him. He said, I never forgave him. He was his teammate later on, and he said, I never forgave him. But that has to be, you know, because you had to beat Wisconsin too, which you did 21-14, but that has to be such a uh, such a disappointment knowing that you were so close. Oh, it, it, was, it was really bad. I mean, I, you know, uh, I, I was too young to drink, of course, but the rumor was that there was some Four Roses whiskey uh, in the in the party that night, <laughs> but at the end of the end of the day, we stayed home. Yeah, and then 1967, the uh, the last Big Ten championship team, and I, I'd encourage people that are listening to to go back and watch some of the highlights, and you can. There's great videos, and that was such a great era of Gopher football. I've kept you too long, but as we wrap up, Bob, I want to uh, just kind of get your final thoughts on you're going to be honored at the game on Saturday, and then obviously you've got the the dinner 
um, in Las Vegas a little bit later this year, and then they'll do something in Atlanta where the College Football Hall of Fame is. Um, I kind of asked it at the beginning of this interview, but when you do go in and when you kind of talk about your speech and you think about all the things, I mean, what what type of things do you want to say or what type? Uh, who are the people you kind of want to thank along the way for this thing? Well, that's easy because there is no speech. Really? They don't even let you give a yeah. speech? Well, give a speech now. If you were to give a speech, I know you. I've known you for a long time. You don't need notes. Give the speech now. No. We've just brought you up. We'll give you some applause. Here's the speech. What do we got? <laughs> no, well, if I if I was to give my speech, it, it would it would be truly. I think in football, the great thing about football is it's the ultimate team game. That that's one of the the meaningful things about it. And I really thought the honors I got were representative of not just myself, but of all the guys who played around me. You can't be a an outstanding player and. In defensively or offensively in football unless you've got other people playing really well with you. And so my teammates, you know, many of them became my best lifelong friends. Uh, the coaches I had, I mentioned Coach Warmath, Coach Nash, the, you know, high school coaches, my dad coaching me when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. All those things, you know, I think you have to – realize they contribute in a very important way to who you become and how you play. And uh, honestly, to be to be entering the Hall of Fame with the kind of guys who are, I mean, there's, you know, there's Heisman Trophy winners in each of the next uh, the two classes going in who, you know, who didn't get in for years and years. And, and guys who are just, uh, well, clearly the best players who ever played in college won. Uh, one guy was a SEC Defensive Player of the Year twice, mm-hmm. and guys who were the most valuable players in the in the Big Ten, and you know, and all around. So I, I just feel very fortunate, and uh, you know, there's kind of a pinch yourself sense, you know, when like I said, the statistics are 0.02 of one percent of people who played college, and you sure don't come in as a freshman expecting anything like that. Uh, and, and so I just think I've been I've been fortunate. Uh, I've got a lot of friends who are in the hall, and and a few you know a number of my friends are coming to that that event. Uh, Ed White and Fred Dreyer are close friends who are in the hall themselves, and Dan Pastorini and Andy Doris, George Coons, who, who was a great player at Notre Dame, came out the same year I did. He he describes himself as the first non-felon drafted in 1969 <laughs> because he was the number two overall pick after OJ. Oh, jeez. <laughs> so, well, he's right. I, you know, to, to be, you know, just to, to be around those people is just, is just amazing. And I pinch myself and think of myself as a little boy. Uh, I, I used to kick practice kicking the ball from my yard across the next yard into the pine tree, yep. putting setting it up on the snow when I, I was about eleven years old, and then you know I ended up you know being able to being a kicker for the university and <laughs> at Kansas City I backed up Jan Stenerud. Yep. So I re- you know I didn't exactly put the team on my back <laughs> to get to that Super Bowl, but to be able to pl- you know play on a winning Super Bowl team, even though. It wasn't quite the extravaganza it is now. 
to be able to do that in my first year when I was 21 years old. I mean, you know, who gets to do that? Nobody. Right. And then the Timberwolves stuff, you know, be able to to help bring a an NBA franchise to your hometown was, you know, that was an amazing opportunity. And so I've just been really lucky and blessed. And I don't, you know, I, I don't uh, hesitate to give a lot of people credit for it in my own mind. Well, and I, I'll, I'll give you a compliment this way. Um, I say this to Bobby Bell every time I talk to him, which is, you know, once or twice a year. Every time I talk to him, I feel like we're leaving like 50 things out of the story, and I feel the same way today. <laughs> but that is a credit to the lives you guys have led and the stories that you tell. And so we'll have to do it again because there is, there's, there's many more uh, layers of the onion to, to peel off, as you mentioned. And, uh, but I, I, I love that'd talking be, to you. Yeah, because you and and we've talked over the years, you know, on the radio, on podcasts, on on all kinds of different things about all your different ventures. But I was happy to spend a lot of time today talking about the uh, your Gopher career and, and all the guys and everything that went into that and and everything. So we'll do it again. But I appreciate the time and uh, enjoy yourself on Saturday. I know you got a bunch of family coming to it, and I know they're super proud of you as well. And and enjoy the entire experience because I'm sure that's the coolest part is bringing your family around and and seeing all your old friends as you mentioned to to get everybody back together, especially after the last year and a half where nobody's been getting together, you know? Absolutely, Justin. Thank you, and I look forward to getting back together with you. I'm not lying. We could have talked to him for another, I don't know, hour, 90 minutes. Didn't talk at all about his NFL career. Didn't talk at all about bringing the Timberwolves in uh, back to Minnesota, an NBA team to Minnesota and those early years. We could get him going on ping pong balls because he was the president. He was sitting there when Shaquille O'Neal went to the Orlando Magic and not the Minnesota Timberwolves in that fateful 1992 lottery. He once told me, did Bob Stein, that he still doesn't even like playing ping pong because of those ping pong balls in the 92 draft lottery. But an unbelievable life. As he said, um, what am I doing here? You know, I'm from St. Louis Park, and now here I am in the College Football Hall of Fame. Pretty incredible conversation. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. And if you're going to the Gopher game against Nebraska, you'll see him on the field being honored and uh, pay attention towards the end of December when he actually does get officially inducted to the College Football Hall of Fame. My thanks to him for taking the time. My thanks to you for listening. And we will talk to you next week on the Golden Gopher Podcast. Bye, everybody. The Golden Gopher Podcast has been brought to you by Schuler Shoes, where comfort and style are always in step. The preceding has been a Learfield presentation on the Gopher Sports Network. Some people just know there's a better way to do things, like bundling your home and auto insurance with Allstate, or hiring someone to move your piano instead of doing it yourself. So do things the better way. Bundle home and auto and save up to 25% with Allstate. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.